It's Monday, September 9th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Fool.com, Taylor Markman. Thanks for being here, guys. Hey, it's the least we could do. I know we were all up late watching that really fantastically played Giants-Cowboys game last night. So, it, was a, it was entertaining to say the least. It was <laughs> entertaining, but not necessarily in a good way. Um, we're going to talk Yum! Brands. We're going to talk Facebook. We're going to talk luxury retail. Let's start with Yum! Brands. On Friday, the company posted its August same-store sales results for China. We're talking KFC and Pizza Hut here. And stop me if you've heard this before, Jason. <laughs> same-store sales in China down 10%. Which is seen, apparently, as some sort of small victory because it's not as bad as July, which was down 13%. Well, I mean, less bad is a small victory, right? I mean, I isn't suppose. that kind of like what? So, I mean, it's, you know, this this all started, I think it was back in like last October. Uh, maybe a little later, maybe but little I, later. we are coming up on the one-year anniversary right. of the avian flu Chicken scare. Game, which has just been, I mean, you know, they, they have said time and time again in their calls that really the one cure-all to this problem is just time. It's going to take time for this to really to wear off. And and to their credit, I mean, they are right. It's every month it gets less and less bad. Uh, the problem, though, is for for young brands is China is extremely important to their business. I mean, they make half their revenues in China and about half of their operating income in China, too. So when you see uh, something like these same store sales in China getting hit the way they are, you know, I mean, they have to keep those stores open regardless. So there's there's a decent, you know, fixed cost base there in keeping those stores open and people paying, uh, you know, or, or you know, paying people to work in them. And, and if you don't have the traffic going in, uh, you're going to see operating margins get hammered. And that's exactly what they're seeing now. Uh, but again, you know, it, it is less bad. Now, I will also say that you know, we follow McCormick as well. And uh, in, in McCormick's last quarterly call, they noted uh, – problems in China as well that were affecting their industrial uh, restaurant segment and that they were cautious for the rest of the year. So so my guess is that what we've seen with Yum thus far, it's going to be a less than stellar year. We know that already. And I think the stock is actually reacting accordingly. It didn't really sell off that much. And I think it's up just a little bit today because I think people are already sort of anticipating this sort of coming to a close here over the next few months. Yeah, Teller, to Jason's point, for all we talk about Taco Bell, which Yum Brands also owns, and the uh, success that Taco Bell has had with the Doritos Locos right, Taco yeah. and that sort of thing. All that stuff is fun. But when you look at how Yum Brands makes their money, to Jason's point, overwhelmingly it is outside the United States and Taco Taco Bell is just not a factor. Yeah, I mean, I looked at three quarters of their revenue from outside the United States and that really threw me off because, I mean, such iconic brands that you recognize um, almost my entire life I've seen, you know, KFC, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell most recently has really emerged, but that really caught me off guard. Um, China, obviously, I didn't realize it was that big of a portion of the revenue, so I can see why they've been hurt over the last year as they have. Um, I, I don't know how they're going to turn that around other than just uh, new product offerings, maybe trying to appeal a little bit more over there. Uh, hopefully they don't go the same way that McDonald's went with their black and white burger package over in China <laughs> with the, the pork and chicken sandwich and the ink squid mm-hmm. bun. But um, we'll see what they can do. Hopefully they can because I'd hate to see a turn turn for the worse. In some sense, isn't I shouldn't say isn't. In some sense, is Yum Brands dealing with, for lack of a better term, a new normal with respect to these same store sales? Because eventually they're going to come up against comps uh, that are much lower. So I think starting in December, that's that's going to start. So, But until then, if you're an investor, you're looking at Yum Brands. Do you essentially have to 
put aside, at least for the next six months, any illusions that they're really going to crush it in China? Um, I mean, I, I, it's a good point. I mean, I think a lot of times you see these these concepts, they, they are a bit of a victim of their own success. And at some point, they have to go up against comps that are pretty stellar. And so next year at this time, we're probably going to be looking at, at Yum and, and talking about how well they're doing because the comps from from this point in time suck so bad. Uh, but, you know, I mean, they're, they're highly levered to chicken. In, in China. I mean, it's not like there are Taco Bells over there, right? And these are company-owned uh, KFCs and Pizza Huts. And, uh, you know, so the biggest problem for them is because they're so – because they depend so much on that, the, the last thing they can afford is for something like this to happen again. Because I think we were, we were in here one time and David Meyer was, was astutely noting that, you know, maybe it's not so easy for them to recover from this because the consumer is not so willing to forgive them. Well, that might be the case. I mean, if it happens once, maybe they, they can forgive and forget. But if it happens again, wow, it could be a really big problem. Yeah, it seems like, you know, the options are increasing over there. And if they see one brand suffering from this, why not try something else that's maybe a more local brand? So it definitely hurts them. Facebook is taking another shot at taking down Twitter. It, uh, Facebook's announced that it is giving media partners the ability to tap into its public feed of all the Facebook posts. They're starting with a, a small pool here, CNN, Slate, BuzzFeed, the Today Show on NBC. What do you think, Taylor? It seems like, in terms of testing, this seems like a pretty smart initial test. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that was Twitter's bread and butter. You see them, uh, news organizations all across the world using Twitter. Uh, you see when they're talking about uh, major topics, the State of the Union address, you see the scrolling bar of viewers' tweets going online. So I definitely think that Facebook is taking a direct action at Twitter. And eventually one day I see both of these companies being nearly identical. Um, Twitter might win out since it's really just the, the core of what you want. You want the news, you want pictures, and you want to see what your friends are doing rather than all the fluff that I think Facebook provides. So um, I definitely think this was a move necessary for Facebook to really compete. And um, they're talking about unleashing uh, the trending site as well on Facebook, which will compete with Twitter as well. So definitely a smart move, I think. Jason, do you think that as Facebook expands this over time, which they have said that is their goal, they're going to expand to additional media partners, do you think ultimately it becomes something that is much more for business partners, media sites, et cetera, than it is for the users themselves? Because it seems like Twitter is – because of the universe they have created, the 140-character limit, et cetera, et cetera, it's perfect for business but also for individuals as well. Facebook really seems like it's going down the road of business. Yeah, I mean I, I think that makes perfect sense. I mean I think it's something that the user – uh, can feel maybe like they're more part of a community talking about a certain topic, whether it's you know hashtagged or not. But but I think ultimately, yeah, this is something that that is leading more towards Facebook Facebook's monetization, uh, figuring out a way to offer more value to those paying them to advertise, and and you know the the most value can be returned. Uh, when uh, they are able to provide, you know, substantial data in regard to their users, you know, to their customers, and so that's that's what this really is all about. You hear these stories about Twitter getting ready to go public. Certainly, they're hiring for mm-hmm. uh, someone to help take them public and prepare the materials and that sort of thing. Is that the sort of thing that would interest you, Taylor? You know, they file the S one. Are you? as interested in that as you are any other potential IPO or more interested or less interested? Um, you know, I look at this company and I would probably be more interested than I would have been in a Facebook IPO. I didn't really give that a, a second thought. Um, and it came back from its 
uh, disastrous IPO now, but I think Twitter would probably have a little bit better launching pad after seeing what happened with Facebook and LinkedIn. So there's a little bit better platform for social media uh, IPOs now. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be a buyer. I don't think uh, I I think that Facebook probably has a better chance of monetizing, um, and I think that eventually, you know, Twitter probably be a better social media company. But I don't see the, where the revenue is really going to come from. Where's your interest level? Yeah, you know, I mean, I tend to agree with that. I mean, even I look at something like Facebook or Twitter. I mean, as much I'm not really a big Facebook fan, like a user. Uh, Twitter, I, I, I certainly use much more. But either way, they they both are going to be very pure play advertising mm-hmm. plays. And you know, I even say for all of its all of its merits and all of the the big the, the little bets that Google makes. I mean, it's hard to forget. It's hard to remember sometimes that that Google makes ninety five percent of their money from advertising. And so I I kind of I'm a little bit wary of those. And so then I, I I look at LinkedIn first and foremost when it comes to these these networks because I feel like number one they are they're differentiating themselves as a professional networking site. And then number two they just make their money in a number of different ways. I mean these pure advertising plays to me are just they're they're just a little bit. A little bit more. Uh, I, I just I'm not quite sure what the big advantage is there. I mean, people are going to be on Facebook, people are going to be on Twitter. That's fine, but you know they're not being charged to use the site, mm-hmm. and so they have to make their money advertising. And unfortunately, that seems to detract from the user experience somewhat. And I think that applies to Facebook more than it does Twitter. Probably a good time to mention you can follow us on Twitter at MarketFoolery is our handle. Uh, before we get to our final story, it was almost a year ago today. That on Market Foolery, we talked about the value proposition of a college education. And that was due to a story, a survey that was done by Bloomberg regarding average starting salary for college graduates and comparing colleges across America. And the headline was that the average graduate of Harvard was making less money first year out of college than the average graduate of. South Dakota School of Mines and Technology. <laughs> this was uh, a fun conversation in part because Bill Barker was in the room and he's a Yale graduate and <laughs> Yale was also further down, as was my alma mater, probably all of our alma maters. Uh, but we ended up getting an email from a listener in South Dakota, a former student of South Dakota School of Mines and Technology, Alan Burkholtz, who thanked us for the shout out, said he was, he was very happy to hear us talking about his uh, school. And now, almost a year later, a box arrived in the mail for me from Alan. He sent some T-shirts. No kidding. Which I hold up for (laughs) the camera, which no one can actually see. But anyway, (laughs) South Dakota School of Mines and Technology uh, with the amazing mascot, the Hard Rockers. I like that. And the women's sports team, (laughs) the Lady Hard Rockers. So thank you, Alan, for the T-shirt. He also included... Uh, he sent a few T-shirts, and he also included uh, a couple other of a local uh, watering hole. And on the front of the T-shirt, it says in block letters, SOB. And on the back, <laughs> SOB stands for St. Onge Bar, which is in St. Onge. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. St. Onge, South Dakota. And on the back, it says one more, and I'm out of here. Uh, St. Onge, not a particularly big town, but I checked out the bar uh, Saw some photos online. If I'm ever in, oh, it has a website. So yeah, uh, if I'm ever in the St. Onge area, I'm definitely stopping by the the St. Onge bar. Hopefully, I'll be rocking this T-shirt as well. Uh, Sticking with clothing, the owners of Neiman Marcus are close to a deal to sell the luxury retailer for about six billion dollars. They are selling to a group that includes Aris Management and a Canadian pension plan. We were talking about this before we started taping, Jason. Sort of interesting that the owners of Neiman Marcus. We're looking at two different tracks here. One was the outright sale. The other was 
an IPO. They were very seriously considering an IPO earlier this year. They're going this route instead. Why do you think that is? Well, I think it's an interesting it's an interesting environment to to IPO, and I think you're seeing. Um, a lot of tech companies benefiting from that, but but retail in general, with the exception of some pockets of retail, has been a pretty tough, uh, pretty tough go of it this year. And you know, I wonder if there's not something to at least feeling like maybe they could realize a little bit more uh, from a just a sale from private equity to private equity, as as opposed to just going through all of the the hassle of taking a company public, because there is a lot uh, a lot of stuff involved with doing that. I mean, the, the transaction seems to be relatively uh relatively fairly valued i mean if you if you look at something like a macy's uh which trades for about 1.6 times sales today and this deal uh the price would imply about 1.4 times sales for neiman marcus which you know i mean maybe it could be a little bit better but it's also significantly smaller than macy's um but yeah, I mean, it just—I don't know that it's the most enthusiastic time for retailers to be going public anyway. But in terms of luxury retail, we have seen a little bit of a setting aside of the luxury retailers essentially doing better mm-hmm. than the average retailer. And I'm thinking about a Nordstrom, even a Tiffany. Yeah, even they did real that, well. Yeah, that's not a, obviously a clothing retailer, but it, it seems like. I don't know. I, I, I guess if I'm Nordstrom, I'm very closely watching this transaction because I am curious to see what these new owners do with this and to the extent that they look to maybe take it public in 2014 or 2015. I don't know. I guess if I'm Nordstrom, I'm I'm holding my breath a little bit as I watch this. Yeah, I mean, both companies really trying to expand a little bit. You see uh, Neiman Marcus talking about e-commerce growing that in China. Uh, Nordstrom's also talked about online sales being a much bigger part of their business over the last couple quarters. So the companies are kind of going in the same direction as far as how they're how they're garnering their sales and which direction they're trying to take the company. So certainly you could see this as maybe a competitor in the future if a private equity decides to expand a lot further than current ownership uh, had in mind. Are you thinking uh, doing a little shopping at Neiman Marcus? We got for the me ho- personally, no. For, for, for the holidays coming up, my shopping is uh, is more like Jimboree and Justice and stuff like that. You know, for for me, it's Mac would be very proud. I, I don't spend a lot of time or money on my clothes, as you can see from my. T-shirt and jeans. jeans. And so uh, it's it's more about the kids at this point, and, and that's that's about that's about the size of it. Do, do, but if you're looking to go big for maybe an anniversary present or something like that, do you do you go that route? Do you go like a Nordstrom that sort of thing? Typically, Nordstrom, so the anniversary it, gifts. It the, seems like the kind of place where you could just not that you necessarily want to go the gift card route, right? Yeah. On an anniversary, but it seems like a gift card to a Nordstrom or a Neiman Marcus, a luxury retailer, even a Coach. That seems like that would go over well. I've I've, I've done well with the Coach before. Um, Tiffany, you know, my, my daughters, when they were born, they, they each gave my wife a little gift from Tiffany to say thanks for carrying me around for That's nine nice months. That's nice of them. And, uh, but you know what I found now is really we're at the point in our marriage where the gifts have to be more experience-based. You know, it has oh, okay. to be something that we can remember as opposed to just an item. Uh, so, you know, like we went to uh, to the homestead over the over the summer, which was nice. But yeah, the, the retailers, I think, are facing some big challenges. I thought you were going to say we're at the point in our relationship where I just send an e-card. <laughs> just like click. Not yet, because that's the end of the relationship. Yeah, not sure you ever want to get there. Taylor Rucker and Jason Moser. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.